A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, if yesterday was Mellow Monday, then I reckon today was Titanic Tuesday. Credit David Whitaker for that uh, title. There were several other adjectives beginning with T that were submitted uh, as potential Nothing names for today. But I think Titanic was the best. And uh, it sums up the fact that all four of our singles matches today went the distance. We had two five-setters in the men's and two three-setters in the women's and that's not even mentioning the epic legends invitational mixed doubles match that i watched on court 14 earlier uh, i will keep you on the edge of your seat for the result of that one how much did you watch and i was gonna say epic wasn't the word you used <laughs> to describe it to me earlier i had to leave the court because i was getting sunburned oh folks. it went that long mm. oh it 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 was long. It was Titanic. Greg actually shouted, Greg Brzezinski shouted to the crowd um, at the start of the first set tiebreak, I've never played a 45-minute set at Wimbledon before. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite a good line. Blimey, anyway, Greg. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll, I'll reveal the result of that later on. The singles were pumped. dramatic, Matt. Or you might say Titanic. You might. And I think it really works because not only were they all... Um, deciding sets they were all won by the player who lost the opening set which was an interesting quirk to the day so they were they were long matches and they were all comebacks you know so often winning the first set is such a marker of how the match is going to go and yet all four players today managed to overturn it and that I think just shows something about all of those players is that Matt Stat today in the newsletter it isn't. I've, I, I had to do a last-minute switch for Matt Stat because I'd come up with one. I took myself off to the Wimbledon Library and it turned out that it was a really big stat to try and research. And while I was there, Sajid Javid and Rishi Sunak <laughs> resigned. Um, Cameron Norrie started coming back. Ons Jabir started coming back. And I thought, I need to get back out and watch some actual tennis or I'm not going to have anything to say on the podcast tonight. So that stat has been parked for tomorrow. <laughs> And there's a new one in the newsletter tonight. It's underground, wow. isn't it, the Wimbledon Library? Mm. So you literally you feel like you're descending into a different world. Totally. Where there's no Rishi Sunak and there's no Cameron Norrie. <laughs> Sorry, Cameron, to lump you in with that situation. <laughs> um, now, before we come on to talk about the tennis, we had four quarterfinal matches today. We'll have four quarterfinal matches tomorrow, two in the men's, two in the women's. Um, some news that broke this morning relating to one of tomorrow's men's quarter finalists, Nick Kyrgios, 
uh, as was reported originally in in Australia and and now obviously very widely reported, has been summoned to face a charge of common assault relating to an allegation made by a former girlfriend about an incident in Canberra in December of last year. The Australian Capital Territory Policing confirmed that Kyrgios will appear in court in Canberra on August 2nd. The maximum sentence for the charge is two years. Kyrgios's lawyers, Johannesson Legal, have responded by clarifying that Kyrgios has not yet been charged but rather summons to face charge until the court accepts the prosecution on August 2nd. It's not accurate to, to describe Kyrgios as charged. Um, he, as reported in The Guardian, Kyrgios um, was asked about the allegation after a practice session on Tuesday and said, I feel like I'm in the last dance, which I think is a reference to the uh, the Netflix documentary about the Chicago Bulls. I don't know what he means by that, but um, it's the only on-the-record comment we have from Kyrgios himself at the moment. It's an active legal proceeding, so not something we can comment on other than to say this is all pretty grim um, and separate to any particulars of this allegation our thoughts are with the victims of domestic violence and coercive control and while this sport fails to have a domestic abuse policy those victims are being failed so please tennis acknowledge that this is a problem and fix it now tennis of course, we'll you know we'll keep you updated as and when there is uh, there are more developments in that story. But there's nothing more we can say, and we want to talk about the tennis. Let's start with Novak Djokovic. He has made it 26 Wimbledon wins in a row by coming from two sets to love down to beat Yannick in a five seven two six six three six two six two on centre court. There was a toilet break turning point in this. Sitsipas would be proud. Matt, you watched the whole thing on in the centre court press seats. David, you commentated on sets one, three, and five. Was it an epic? Not really, not really, because it was kind of a pretty classic Djokovic against the rest type five set match, where bloke comes out, does incredibly well to get two sets up, and then once Djokovic takes over it's not actually that competitive anymore and um i mean it was it was weird actually because the first set djokovic led 4-1 i think he had a point for 5-1 he was totally in command sinner looked really edgy and then it just turned and i think really djokovic let him back in with weird choice drop shots four of them he just duffed in the net or popped over for Sinner to knock away a couple of double faults and then you just saw Sinner just grow in confidence belief and show what he got and he's got a lot and he dominated the second set and actually I thought he doesn't look like he's going to go away and yet he kind of did go away and also Djokovic got a lot better but he just manages five set matches so it was it was it was a managed comeback it wasn't what I would call an epic. Yeah, weird is the word that Matt used when he returned from his stint in the centre court press seats. And I said, you know, how was it? I'd been watching mostly um, in the press centre, you know, multi-screening, keeping an eye on on the the women's quarter final that was happening on court one at the same time. And weird was the word that you initially came out with. You said, as soon as Djokovic broke at the start of the third set, 
the result felt inevitable. Now, of course, it wasn't inevitable. There was a world in which Yannick Sinner came back. We were we were discussing on our group chat, weren't we, about you know once it was levelled at two sets apiece, whether Yannick Sinner would be a threat in the fifth. But and I suppose the ankle turn in the latter stages of the fourth set was might have been a factor in the fact that he wasn't. But the fact that we've seen this so many times before suggests actually it was just it kind of just went to script. Yeah, and that's it. And that's maybe why weird isn't a good word choice because we have seen it before and because in that sense it was quite normal, I suppose. And yet, on the other hand, it was weird because it's the huge favourite for the tournament. It's the best player on grass over the last decade, really. And he's two sets down. And it should have there should have been a real sense of drama and jeopardy. And there was a flicker of that. You know, when Sinner won the second set, I did think, OK, Sinner maybe is the favourite for this match now. With, with two sets behind him, with the way he's playing. And he was playing brilliantly. I mean, some of the some of the rallies were just fantastic to watch. It was a it was a match between probably the two best skiers on on the <laughs> ATP tour, wasn't it? And you kind of saw those skills, I think, the way they can both stretch into the corners and hit offensive shots from defensive positions. Some of the rallies were kind of breathtaking. Um and yet Exactly, as you said, as soon as Djokovic broke at the start of that third set after his pep talk to himself for the bathroom break in between the second and third set, to me it had a feeling of inevitability about it. And that's that's mainly because Djokovic is so, so good and keeping up the level that Sinner had in those first two sets over five sets against him on grass in particular, it's just almost impossible. And he really did start taking control of the rallies. And yeah, he, 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 he was in command really for those last three sets. They weren't particularly close. He's so emotionally hardened at weathering opponents' peaks, isn't yeah, he? He just, he just, when somebody peaks higher than him, he's like, okay, but experience tells me that you cannot keep this up. That's exactly it. He draws strength from that. Mm. You know, whereas most players, you think Sinner's just hit an amazing shot. There was one where he where he hit a drop shot, and then Djokovic got to it. He lobbed Djokovic, and then he did the same combination again, and eventually won the point. And and, and you felt like okay, the crowd was with Sinner. You felt like this was a moment. I think this was this was in the third set. Felt like Sinner was gonna right at the start of the third set. It was yeah. yeah. He really felt like Sinner was gonna ride that wave, and it and it might even crush Djokovic a bit. How do I beat this guy? He's playing so well. The complete opposite happened. Djokovic just suddenly upped his level and used that as as kind of a turning point to improve. And it's it's remarkable how he does that. I've seen so many players unable to deal with the weight of someone playing really well and with the crowd behind them and yet it doesn't it doesn't seem to put Djokovic off his game in, in, in fact it's the opposite it makes him play better and we've seen countless examples of it over the years and I mean my lasting memory of the match will be the sliding backhand that Djokovic mm. hit um, deep in deep in the fifth set David I know you were right behind that in, in the commentary box and he ended up in a sort of um, I don't know Superman position on the floor or Tom Cruise Mission Impossible position <laughs> as, he's, yeah. as he's coming down and it was one of the best shots I've ever seen it really live. was I, I, 
I know it has only just happened, but my initial reaction was that that's impossible to do. He he was on the full run, the full stretch, and he's hit the ball as hard as he possibly can. And it's like one of the best golf shots where you just see it rise just the amount you want it to rise to get maximum distance. And so it it took off and it just clears the net and then it drops just in time there's no topspin on it at all he's hit it as flat and as hard as he possibly can but totally under control it was the essence of Djokovic that that shot at his very best um actually I felt the match was quite if I think back to those two set comes backs he had last year against Massetti and Tsitsipas quite similar really Mm. just he just took everything they'd got he let them hit him to the body he took them and then they'd got nothing left. He's mm. the master of five-set tennis. The mm. absolute master. My nine, take nine out, what, ten out of eleven he's won at Wimbledon. Mm. I mean, it's an amazing stat, isn't it? My, uh, my takeaway from it was all of that that you've just said and also that I should probably be talking to myself in the bathroom mirror more often. Because <laughs> that's what he did, isn't that's it? That's what he did, yeah. Two sets love down. He talked about that in the, um, in the in- interview afterwards. Um, should be giving myself more pep talks. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done it. <laughs> no, me neither. Oh, but, I, I have. But imagine, yeah. imagine what, what we'd be capable of if we uh, were doing that. I do that sort of thing all the time. What do you say? Depends on the moment. Do you take on a different persona? Is it like you know the Hulk talking to Bruce Banner, or is it, or maybe the other way around, or is it regular David Law talking to it's regular, regular David Law? Regular David Law, and I think it's all about positive reinforcement. It's about banishing the doubts in my mind by verbalising, vocalising them by saying them out loud that you're going to do this um, What if there's somebody else in one of the stalls and well, you don't realise it? I don't do it in it. a public bathroom oh, okay. <laughs> I do it in my one at home and I do it okay. fairly quietly Right, okay. Um, under my breath, just have a quiet word, looking okay. myself in the eye and then I feel like I can handle it Okay Right I feel like I've learned a lot about you yeah. in the last minute and so a half. Uh, there was a bit of a, a Darren Cahill mystery today because, you know, a big talking point about Yannick Sinner's run at this Wimbledon is the fact that, you know, I think it was announced or revealed or it emerged during Queen's this year. So only, what, two and a half weeks ago that Yannick Sinner had brought Darren Cahill onto his team and suddenly he's having these great results. It looks like cause and effect, doesn't it? And then... He's clearly not in Yannick Sinner's player, player box. He's not being picked out by any of the cameras. I just assumed he was sitting elsewhere or he was unable to attend the match or maybe even he was doing ESPN duties, something like that. But then Stephanie Miles, um, a colleague of ours on Twitter, reported that she had seen Darren Cahill on the practice court with Amanda Anisimova, who PS plays his old charge, Simona Halep, tomorrow, on, on the practice court an hour before Yannick Sinner was due to take to the court. So last I checked with her a few hours ago, she hadn't had any response. She'd, she'd asked both camps for comment and she wasn't getting any response. But the evidence suggests that maybe Darren Cahill isn't working with Yannick Sinner anymore and maybe he's back with Amanda Anisimova, at least in an informal or maybe way. Or maybe there's a kind of consultancy going on with both of them in some way. Um, or an informal arrangement. I'm not sure whether he's here for ESPN TV. I, I assume he is. He's always been part of that team. Um, and, and actually, in the past, I know 
he he's kind of managed the ESPN role by kind of commenting on the men because he's been coaching Simone Halep and and that's kind of been an, probably an easier way of going about things but it is it is intriguing isn't it because this you know he's clearly had time with both of them uh, officially with more, more so with Anisimova but very much on record about Sinner it's interesting that Anisimova will have had input from Cahill ahead of the Halep match tomorrow though isn't it yeah Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. That, I had not thought about that. That's really interesting. It, yeah. Especially given that, you know, that added dynamic of the fact that they played mm. two weeks ago and Halep won very convincingly. So you've got sort of that data to digest and work with for, for Darren Cahill. Presumably he will have looked at that and, you know, will be Worked telling up her a game plan. how it can be different. I, I find that a fascinating mm. I mean, aspect of it all. I do want to see what the coach's box looks like tomorrow mm. because I, if he did happen to be in the coaching box of Anisimova, I, I'm not sure how well. I'm not saying Simona Hallam can't handle it, but it, I'm curious to know what sort of effect mm. that might have on her because mm. that would freak me out. You know, think about Tony Nadal with Felix Auger-Aliassime. I will never, I will never forget that. I doubt he'll sit sort of on the court, which is pretty much what Tony Nadal did. In the royal box. What's the closest I can sit to the court without actually being on it? Yeah, okay, I'll sit there. Thanks very much. Chair umpire, how about you come and sit over here and I'll have your seat? (laughs) I don't quite think that's Darren Cahill's style. I'm I'm still trying to process the fact that Stephanie Mars got that picture i mean that's good yeah, honor, it's you know, a great that's story great journalism but it's really interesting you know and um yeah can't quite get my head around it all yet it was really really a good mm. one yeah we will watch this space yes because i feel like that match didn't really need any extra mm. intrigue we're, and we're already excitement. pretty pumped for that i was i was really pumped for anissa over halep <laughs> that's and now first center court so. isn't it tomorrow it is yeah both Ooh. women's matches first on tomorrow so a little shake up from what they did today which i think is better actually because the women got lost a bit today yeah um because because both the men's were five setters, Cameron Norrie was out on court number one, second on, and he brought back the old Henman days, winning a gruelling, tense five-setter to make a maiden Grand Slam semi-final at his first attempt, no less. It was David Goffin's fourth quarter-final without reaching a semi-final, his second here at Wimbledon. William and Kate were watching on. That's uh, the Duke and Duchess of of Cambridge, for anyone not well-versed in British royalty. Fine if you're not. And I think some papers will be going with, they made made the difference. They made the difference, of course. Because it's a hook. (laughs) Because when they went over there, suddenly Norrie won uh, the last two sets, and I think the atmosphere really did lift. By the way, Catherine, you talked about, was it an epic earlier on? This was an epic. And it had everything i mean actually i i wasn't that engaged in the first two sets because i was i was doing Djokovic and and also then that big news story broke about british politics in the middle of it and all the rest of it but those last two sets you mentioned henman you could mention murray even conter a few years ago when she had her run and she beat simona Halep and uh, and caroline garcia this was wimbledon getting behind a brit at its very best and um I was deeply moved by that comeback from Cam Norrie. In fact, I was deeply moved by the whole match because I think Goffin is just great to watch oh. when he's like that. The way he crowds the baseline, the way he's like, I'm not backing up. I don't care how deep you hit the ball. 
And Norrie still had the answers. Amazing. It was the moment Norrie connected with the Wimbledon mm, crowd, I it think. Was. It was yeah. his, I'm getting closer. That's two <laughs> nights in a row I've done that. Need new impression Or material. maybe his um, Andy Murray Richard Gasquet match. Oh, yes, the bicep kiss. Yeah. It was Cameron Norrie's bicep kiss. But he's further along than that. I think oh, it is, is more... But in terms of crowd connection, yeah, no, yeah. It, it, really, it really but was. That's so, what I'm talking about. But the emotion of him at the end, like, and never in seen the, that before in the, in the interview. I don't think of him as an outwardly emotional he's man, not. and he's... and I I loved it. I loved seeing that because he's so matter of fact the way he plays tennis. Mm. He's just get on with it. Where's the, he's Nadal like in terms of next point? Let's play that. Ne- oh, he was fantastic. His name was being chanted there. As was it? He was, yeah, his name was being chanted by the court one crowd as he was readying, readying himself to go over for the uh, for the interview. And he oh, was, I you know, a lot that. of people say they're speechless and then go on to say a lot of words. <laughs> but he was very genuinely speechless, Cam oh, Norrie. He, he was completely that, overcome. It was, yeah, I, I've never seen him like that, not even anything close to. He's a very composed, matter-of-fact young man. Um, and it was it was pretty emotional to to see him like that. He that Goffan was brilliant today, and I'm gutted for him. What a shot maker he is! What a shot maker! And I know we always call, and by we I mean the tennis collective, uh, as Hannah on Twitter would say, we as a collective call Diego Schwartzman diminutive, don't we? And David Goffan isn't. He's a bit taller than Diego Schwartzman. He's got a few inches on him. But he's so much slighter. I almost find Davy Goffin's frame and physique more improbable than Diego Schwartzman's as a tennis player because he's so frail looking. How is he doing it? How is he doing it? That backhand down the line. It's that timing, would, right? That would be on the backhand list if there was a men's backhand list, surely, Matt. Yeah, probably. I mean, maybe not in, and this is going to sound harsh, maybe not in the year 2022. Like, he's just not been on my mind that much, David Goffin. He's not highlight reel in your mind. But peak David Goffin, I loved watching him. And and that backhand, the way he takes it early, it's timing, I think. He, he He doesn't swing hard at the ball. He just connects perfectly with it and yeah he's he's stunning to watch he's really elegant and classy he kind of ignored Cameron Norrie's game for the most part Mm. when he was striking the ball doesn't matter what you know you give me these different trajectories off your flat back and then your loopy forward I don't care I'm going to half volley it back for a winner mate I I thought Norrie was he he wasn't massively off but he was off just enough yeah wasn't a great start to to pump to pump David Goffin up and to go, okay, it's on here mm. for David Goffin and for him to feel loose. Um, and I actually don't think he, he got better and better as the match went on, but I don't think he ever hit full flow, Cameron Norrie, which is probably a good thing I, to I win through for your first Grand Slam quarter final with last the stuff three or in the four tank. games. I felt he became inspired, and actually, I felt like Goffin rose to it, and they went toe mm. to toe for a while at the end there, and it just brought back memories of. That time we sort of discovered him for the first time in that clay court match in the mm. Davis Cup in Spain, when he's like taking on these proper clay quarters in a, in a, against the crowd. Okay, this one he had the crowd, but if you remember back, because he played this college tennis, he was always saying, "This is what I like. This is what I'm into." And you could just see it. Still matter of fact, but just mm. getting inspired. And I think we always talk about his engine, don't we? And his his improbably enormous lungs. And I know that they alone can't win you a tennis match. 
But when you're headed into a fifth set in that sort of situation, it must help the other aspects of your game to know you don't need to worry about the physical side of things. It must help keep you loose and relaxed and focused because you're not stressed. It's not even occurring to you whether that's going to be a factor. It's not, tight, it's not occurring it? to us watching mm. whether Cam Norrie will be able to last physically or whether he'll even begin to fade because there is no difference in him in the fifth set to in the first set. Both of them had ludicrously perfect hair in that <laughs> fifth set. They did. Yeah, Catherine was really saying, how do they do this? How do they keep their hair like that? I'm, I'm sweating just walking from the bus honestly, stop. <laughs> honestly, I can't wear my hair down because the 10-minute walk from the bus stop to the tennis, it's not even hilly. I've got, I've got a sweaty scalp by the end of it. They had perfect hair three hours in. I, I want to know what's we'll, happening. We'll go to the press comments. Yeah. First question. <laughs> Hashtag journalism, just like I was doing on Court 14, watching the Legends Invitational Mixed Doubles. Oh. We've come so far with Cameron Norrie. Oh. I mean, it really wasn't that long ago, Catherine, that you were watching him lose in round one Is of the French against Bonchetry. And... He, the player he is now is, is almost unrecognisable in terms of the feeling he gives you on the court. And yet it does feel like the sort of nuts and bolts of his game obviously have improved, but they've also just remained the same. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in awe of the mm. results Cameron Norrie has, has had in this last couple of years. The, 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 the recent stat that I always think of with Cameron Norrie is that he's won every tournament mm. at which he's been the number one seed. Is he really? Yeah. And, and, and that tells you so much about him, and it tells you something that is pretty much the opposite to what I thought of him yeah. three or four years ago when he was losing matches like that mm. and first round at the French Open. And even the start of this year, I remember we talked about it a lot. We were a bit worried about him in terms of his new status mm. as a player on the cusp of the top 10. How is he going to react to that? He likes being the underdog. And yet, I think there were some little wobbles at the start of the year. The ATP Cup, First and round, Australian, Australian Open. Open. Although it was quarter, wasn't it? Yeah. Tough draw. It, it, yeah. None of them were bad losses. They just sort of made you ponder and think, OK, are we going to have a difficult second year here? And absolutely none of that. And that point about him winning when he's been the top seed, matches he's supposed to win, That's that, I think, has probably helped him in this tournament because his draw did open up. You know, let's let let's be upfront and honest about that. But that comes with its own pressure in itself, mm. and he's handled it. He's beaten quality opponents like Tommy Paul and David Goffin, and yeah, there's there's a big difference between being a Grand Slam semi finalist and a Grand Slam quarter finalist. Obviously, it's amazing to get to the quarter final, but there's way more Grand Slam quarter finalists than there are semi finalists. He's he's in the last four of Wimbledon, Cameron Norrie. That if you, if he'd said that just two or three years ago I'd have thought how how is that possible especially yeah. when he lost to Stan Wawrinka in first round of Queens that year yeah um, but it's j- amazing just on you saying we've come so far with Cameron Norrie yes and yet I still don't feel like we've come far enough because we still never put him in the mix I'm not saying he's in the mix to win it, but we never... Well, we, hang we, on, there is only one mix and it is to win it, All right, David. but we never put... Do we ever put him in the quarterfinals of this thing? Did anybody that you know? I didn't. And, and no, we I didn't either, kept but a, I also didn't put Julia Niemeyer no, there. No, but so. how many times 
have have we said that's the last time I underestimate Cam yeah, Norrie no, when right. he wins Indian yep. Wells? I know. I'm looking well, at myself for this. Well, this this is I my problem. Can I tell you what problem. I've written on my agenda? Go on. What I've written is in well, I've written an abbreviated version of what I was what I'm about to say because I was short of time and I was writing it. But look, it is unlikely that this run will continue simply because who he plays next Novak Djokovic I mean he would be heavy favorite I think going into pretty much every matchup besides Rafael Nadal right now quite frankly so the run is likely to end there but this is arguably his least favorite slam in terms of surface he's going to be headed next in a few short weeks time into his favorite slam by far you know he he made himself as a tennis player on US hard courts. He is hardened on them, if you'll excuse the unintended pun. Maybe we should be thinking about him for the US Open mix. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the only reason I wouldn't now is because of Djokovic and Nadal. Now, obviously, Djokovic might not get in the way things are going. Um, I... I, look, Nadal is, and he are so similar, and I still, and Nadal will always make me think he's going to beat him. But the rest of them, the submix, you might call it, the little mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Sitsipas, mm, Rublev. Exactly. Is, right should we be there. putting him in with? with I them? think so. I, I think you put Medvedev ahead of him. I think Medvedev's a contender along with the big two. That's three. just the mix. He's in the mix. Yeah, mix. mix. But I do think. Within Sitsipas and Rublev, you've now got to stick Cameron Norrie. Mm. You have. Yeah, and look, he he's the heavy underdog against Novak Djokovic, but he'll make him work for it. He will keep him honest, he'll make him work for it. 100% Cameron Norrie. And who knows, anything can happen in sport. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Now on to the women's quarterfinals that we saw today. Two three-setters as well. Two very different ones, I think. Ons Jabeur with a champion's response to losing the opening set to an inspired Marie Buzkova. 6-1-6-1 in the second and third. She was in... She was in total command. It was like she woke up. I think that's actually the words that she used in her post-match on-court interview. It really was like she woke up, and that probably does a bit of a disservice to Buzkova, who who was exactly that inspired in the opening set. Um, but there was no panic from Jabeur. She stayed calm. She trusted herself and her game. And, yeah. you know, I know I keep harping on about this, and I I take your point, David, about you won't believe it till you see it. I get all that, but that right there is what's different. The the lack of panic, the trust in herself. I agree. I, I believe more and more by the day. Um, the way I, I was watching that first set and she actually saved one of the two break points she faced with a, a drop shot lob combo. Oh, and I'm like, who does of, that? One of my favourite combos. <laughs> who does that? And then she finished it with another drop shot, you know, and then she got broken. So she lost the set. But that did make me think, oh, okay. I mean, her mind is there and her, and her shots, oh. they don't even make sounds when she's hitting the slice and the drop shots. That You don't even hear them. Um, and then when she connects with the forehand, my word, you hear that. Um, and then it was just a complete dissection the rest of the match. And I don't even think Buskova played badly in the second set. She just no. got totally dismantled. It became showtime, didn't it, for Ons Jabeur? Yeah. And we love Ons Jabeur showtime. <laughs> oh, it's joy, it really is. She is the first Arab or North African player, man or woman, to reach a Grand Slam semi-final. This is from Reem Abalil on Twitter. And we should shout out Reem because um, she's been covering Ons Jabeur, and well, she covers all tennis, but she in particularly covers Ons Jabeur and um, African, North African, Arabic tennis. You know, she's a devoted reporter of the sport particularly highlighting that part of the world and she's unable to be here this fortnight um because of extremely unfortunate visa issues and um it must be so hard for her not to be here and and it's Wimbledon's loss that she's not able to be here as well but she's still covering it remotely um she says that Arabs were 0 and 11 in Grand Slam quarterfinals before today goodness I mean it, it's not an underwhelming stat but I guess I think I'd already pros- in my head Ons Jabeur is already doing all these things you know she's already filed away under trailblazer doing things that no one else has ever done before but 0 and 11 before today that's it's serious stuff that Ons Jabeur is doing and she's in her own words not done yet yeah, well, I mean, now she should be getting to the final. And and I know that's also harsh because you you can almost only lose, can't you, when somebody's saying that about you. Um, but I, I trust her enough to just distill it down to being a tennis match against a player she needs to beat and a very good tennis player who's having the week of and the fortnight of her life. Yeah, well, let's talk about hugs, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> because... 
We had two amazing hugs today, and I think we're going to get... Well, our card has already been marked for a, an amazing hug in two days' time, because Tatiana Maria and Jula... Is it Jula or Eula? Eula. Eula, Eula Niemeyer had just one of the all-time great hugs after their match uh, on court number one earlier on today. Ange Jabeur and Marie Buzkova also had a pretty amazing hug after their match on centre court today. Everybody wants to hug And Ange Jabeur, when asked about Tatiana Maria, who she'll be playing in the semi-finals, said um, that apparently they love one another. They're barbecue bud- buddies. And uh, she had the most wonderful things to say. She said they're really close friends. So um, hug incoming. Mm. And... I'm here for that because today's hugs gave me life. Me too. It would be very tough to match the Niemeyer-Maria oh. hug. That was that was something. They, they shared, there was such recognition of what they shared out there yeah. today, both in terms of the match, the quality of it, the drama of it, the fact that neither of them expected to be there at all, neither of them know if they'll be there again. It was all in and, the hug. Yeah, and I and I just felt like the hug was Maria saying to Niemeyer, "You will be here again. You will be here again. Look at me. Look, I'm here. Yeah. And after well, all my first round exits and second round exits at slams or not playing slams, I'm here. And you're already this good at this age. You will get there. And Jibber actually said that in her interview. She said, "I think." young players should look up to Tatiana Maria more because she has suffered at the Grand Slams and look at her now. That's mm. what she said. And um, I mean, these, these are two players with 12 years between them, a 34-year-old uh, and a 22-year-old. And, um, and I didn't get to see any of them, so you guys are going to have to tell me about it. Well, we had Hannah covering. We had Hannah covering all of all of the matches as we always do on Twitter, and she was so taken by Yula Niemeyer, wasn't she? She said, "Future Wimbledon champion." If it's not this year, this woman is winning Wimbledon one day, and she she looked it. She looked that for for vast swathes of this match, didn't she? Yeah, and I think in particular in that first set, she's got a lovely game, really nice to watch. Uh, she has a bit of a bit of a different technique um, on the forehand. It sort of stands out. And she's so willing to come forward. She came to the net 22 times in the first set alone. Nine serve and volleys. And I'd, you know, I'd seen the way that Maria had beaten Zachary this tournament and beaten Ostapenko, who are two of the best ball strikers, cleanest hitters. And yet they're not necessarily the most flexible or the most willing to deploy variety and Niemeyer was very willing to do that and it really worked to counter the Tatiana Maria game in in that first set especially Um, and she went up a break at the start of the second she was setting the break up Niemeyer and she went up a break again with more stunning tennis and then the match became really competitive and Tatiana Maria did what she's done all tournament, which is mount these comebacks. Um, she was two breaks down against Serana Costea. She was match points down against against Ostapenko. She was down in the second set against Zachary. And she, it's so hard to put her away. She, she just hangs around, keeps slicing those forehands, keeps coming into the net, keeps mixing it up. And in the end, she sort of... 
she didn't take over because she was a breakdown in the third set as well but she just hung around long enough to I think the Neymar game dropped a little bit she took advantage of that and her competitiveness and everything it, it sort of felt like everything she's learned over the last mm. 15 years as a professional was put into this match and that was how she won it today she was savvy and experienced and just, just a good brilliant word, yeah. to watch I went to a press conference afterwards and there weren't there wasn't nearly enough time for questions in English because there was so much demand for for questions in German too there were a lot of German reporters here and this is the surprise story that they you know definitely weren't expecting to to cover and there was a real I mean I I don't understand any German at all but there's a real freshness to the the feel of that press conference you know having a new angle and a new story to tell and that's how I felt about it. She's utterly charming, Tatiana Maria. And I asked her about, you know, she, she's now perennially referred to as the mother of two. And I asked her how she felt about that because, of course, she's very proudly a mother of two. But she's also a tennis player and a woman in her own right. And I said, you know, are you comfortable with that being exclusively how you're identified now? Because some women aren't and I, I think you know obviously either is entirely understandable and she said no I'm totally fine with it I talk about my children as much as you want um, and her face just lit up talking about them she said you know my routine doesn't change um, no matter what round of Wimbledon I reach she said I'll be changing nappies tomorrow because of course she's got a young baby um, or a toddler and she's got a nine-year-old as well and then the nine-year-old is the one that's really fascinating Charlotte I think um, because you quite often have babies and toddlers on tour and increasingly now it's really common you know we we joke that players lounges are quite often like crushes these days but you really have kids old enough to really understand and be part of the experience there was a feature with Tatiana Maria and her daughter on the on the BBC uh, build-up this morning ahead of the match and you know, Charlotte was really part of that interview. She was a, you know, she wasn't just a cute sort of line at the end or a sort of, you know, just do a cute face for it. She was significantly contributing to that interview and, and had interesting things to say about her mum's game and the whole experience of being <laughs> on tour with her mum. She said, Tatiana said it's a, it's a big incentive for her to get Charlotte two days more at Wimbledon because she's, she's loving being here so much and... It's all just very lovely. Uh, the quotes I saw on the WTA website were that uh, she she wants to spend some more time in that crash because it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think it's a, a wonderful story, really, because Tatiana Maria is a name that I've known for a long, long time. You know, thirty four. Yes, she's had time away from the game, but she's been around for a long time. And yet, I don't feel as though I've watched much of her which I regret when I see her play now and how much I've enjoyed watching her matches, the ones that I've seen her. And this is the thing with the sport. You know, you, you need to keep your eyes open and be prepared to give somebody that maybe you don't know so well or isn't that kind of inverted commas relevant, give them a chance to just enjoy their, their game if you love tennis. Um, and that's a beautiful thing about going around the grounds on a grounds pass at, a, at any Grand Slam, isn't it? Especially in the first week. Well, honestly, the last time I was in a Tatiana Maria press conference would have been French Open, either 2015 or 2016, in room three, 
cramped room after a match that Maria had played with Elise Cornet, after which Tatiana Maria threatened to sue both Elise Cornet and the French Federation. <laughs> what was the reasoning again? Uh, because Cornet received treatment for cramp. Or she, she's, you know, she didn't say it was cramp, but she was. you're not allowed to receive official treatment for cramp and it did appear to be cramp. It's great when somebody just loses um, it and, and just like, yeah. I've had enough of this. I'm going <laughs> to sue you all. everyone. <laughs> it was really quite a scene. I And then went to a press conference today and she's this lovely, mild-mannered <laughs> woman. It was a completely different person. Um, oh, the Elise Cornet effect. Drama queen for the people. Um, no, she's a wonderful story. And um, Maria against Jabir. Grass court fun. Yeah, the, the rallies could be something special, couldn't they? It's just that I can't imagine Jabir getting weaved into the, the web of Tatiana mm. Maria because she's going to have the hands to cope. She's probably going to end up enjoying them and then she's going to finish them with some spiteful forehands. Spiteful. That's a good word. <laughs> Tomorrow's order of play, ladies and gentlemen, starts on centre court with Simona Halep against Amanda Anisimova. Oh, that's just such a great match. Mm. What? What do we will think? be there. That that <laughs> is, and they haven't ended up having good matches, have they? They've no. always been one-sided. Yeah. They've both won encounters, but sooner or later they've got to come together at the same time that on paper is such a good contest Darren Cahill's trying to make it happen for you David (laughs) (laughs) Taylor Fritz against Rafael Nadal I think that could be good I do think Nadal Mm. will win but Taylor Fritz is proper now I think that could be I'm going to say should be our vague fun I think it could be fun yeah he's got some tape on his ab Nadal, yeah. which mm. which we we saw him clutching at it, and then when he um, whipped his shirt off to put his um, jacket on for his post match interview, it was quite it was quite visible. He's probably um, just casually playing with a cracked rib again. Well, no biggie. Well, we win, win, win. he was asked about it in press, and he, and he did that thing of I don't want to talk about my body, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which means I'm falling apart. It's but all, let's talk about it after the. It's tournament. all falling apart. It's been so for many, many years. <laughs> and, and look, he, he seems pretty confident that he'll be fine. But something mm. to keep in mind, I suppose. But yes, I, I, I'm with you. I think that would be really good. I think Fritz will bring it. Yeah, and I do too. I think Nadal's probably playing well enough that he can find ways past Fritz's power but it would be great to watch I think that their Indian Wells final mm, obviously was, was compromised but it was it was good there were lots of great rallies in there. Good centre court ticket tomorrow mm. isn't it? Court one tomorrow Ila Tomljanovic against Elena Rabatkina mm. and Christian Green against Nick Kyrgios goodness me um, it's going to be interesting how that match is received how it's covered we'll be there uh, receiving it and covering it and seeing what's what um, yeah that is uh, that is one to keep an eye on by the way I, sure. I spoke to uh, uh, Alicia Mollick um, at the we had the the all access hour for the the legends that come to the invitational event and play mixed doubles and Alicia Mollick uh, the Billie Jean King Cup captain of Australia was one of them and, and I was asking her about Tom Lianovich, um because I, I just always have this vision of, of what I saw in that what you when it, when it was known as the Fed Cup, the the final that was played in Australia pre-pandemic um, between France and Australia, and, and Tom Lianovich is just 
terrible struggles in that uh, in that final in the first match anyway she and she just couldn't put the ball in you know and then last year she'd played so well and she'd beaten Raducanu and then there was that incredibly swift turnaround wasn't there and she just she played Barty and what a nightmare to play Barty who just just clipped her apart really and um Mollick reckons that she is a heck of a lot better player as a result of those sort of experiences. Mm-hmm. She thinks she's not going to have that problem again. She said to me she thinks Rabakina is a good matchup for for Tomljanovic. Great, um, I've just picked Rabakina in two in our newsletter <laughs> predictions. I mean, you know, it's brilliant. That she, is very much in keeping with how my predictions have been going all fortnight. Well, yeah, I know. until today, I had a good day today. More of that later. Um, but <laughs> hey, um, we're running out of time. No, it's a, it, it's and I said to her, could she win the title? And she said, you know what? I think she's a contender for the title. Oof. And I mean, look, she's not going to say, nah, she's got no chance. <laughs> <laughs> but I got the sense that she just believes in it. Um, and I, 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 well, it'll be fascinating. Wow. Court two tomorrow, incidentally, we're at the quarterfinal stage of the men's doubles, Rajiv Ram, Joe Salisbury. So they'll get a lot of support against Nicolas Maou and Edouard Roger Vasselin. Um, I appreciate you've got to make a, a living, Nicolas, and um, Pierre Rugebert is injured, but it, it, it does perturb me to see you playing with somebody else uh, and the women's doubles quarter final match on court two tomorrow is Danielle Collins and Desiree Kravchik against Alicia Rizolska and Emily Routcliffe Erin Routcliffe sorry um, the New Zealander uh, and also on court two tomorrow, Greg Rosetsky and Anne Kjothafong, who I saw up against uh, Goran Ivanovic and Mary Pierce today. They did lose. Uh, who lost? Uh, Rosetsky and Kjothafong. Okay. Despite my vociferous support. <laughs> did Goran know this? I supported everybody. <laughs> I felt like they all needed it. <laughs> Goran. <laughs> Was doorstep interviewed hey, by uh, I, by one of my colleagues on his way from the the, the coaching box to the to the match. <laughs> I don't want to throw Goran under the bus, but he was wearing a cream T-shirt Ooh. today. Kick him out! Mm. I do wonder. Do legends players get fined? I don't, I, I mean, probably. I might actually look up <laughs> yeah, whether probably. Goran's received a fine for that. That would make me laugh. <laughs> I will check. I will check. I mean, you know, he was still in the box when they like watching Djokovic when they said, "Well, Goran Ivanovic, please report to." He is court a pro. Number. He is a pro. He showed up and he gave the crowd what they wanted out on court number fourteen. Good lad, Goran. Um, well, Rosetsky and Kothovong back out there tomorrow. They're taking on Mark Woodford and Eva Maioli. No rest for the legends players. Uh, and then there's a mixed double semi-final on court two tomorrow. Uh, Mate Pavic and Sanya Mirza against Neil Skubsky and Desiree Kravchik. Crikey, Desiree Kravchik's playing twice on court two tomorrow. It is all happening, <laughs> folks. Coco Goff and Jack Sock in mixed double semi-final action as well. Uh, what else have we got? Barbara Krachikova and Katerina Siniakova won today in the women's doubles as well. So, I think seeing as uh, the place is being packed up around us, we're up on the broadcast roof and the sun really is about to descend. It's quite a sight, but um, things the, are being dismantled. They'd bring the roof over and put the lights on now if uh, we were playing a tennis match, wouldn't they? Oh, I, I hope they would have done that quite some time ago, David, um, or else the quality would, would be even worse than usual. <laughs> um, so... 
we'll get this show off the road, but not before saying a very big hello and thank you to Willow, our Wimbledon mascot, lovely Willow. Hello. David and Darwin, you've got three seconds to gloat. Off you go. 60 points today, Darwin. Mm -hmm. You and me. Five set, Cameron Norrie. That was never lets too me long. down. Too long. Uh, right top of the league. You've eaten into my time to apologise to Carter. Didn't go well for us today, Carter. Matt and the dearly departed Gerald. You had the same prediction as me, didn't you? Mm. And I can't quite bring myself to say it, but yes, you are, David. Mm. I'm the only one who went for that, aren't I? Mm. Mm. Billy Jean Yay. is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have, that's, that's the bins being rolled past us. <laughs> uh, we have executive producers Carl Weingartner and Chris Albert Lee. They're both top blokes. And we have shout-outs, Matt. We have Kate Sale in Sydney. Right, Kate. Hello, Kate. Lots of tennis Kates, um, including... No, that was a Jane. Oh. Kate um, O'Mara. No. Katie oh. Bolter. Katie Kate. Swan. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the Kates end up being called Katie, it turns out. Mm. Kate. Is Kate uh, a... Is Kate a Catherine? Originally, like you know, Princess Kate, Duchess Kate. Don't know this. No. Okay. Maybe we can have Pass. the Duchess as as our, our Kate, yes. given mm. you know she was here today and everything. Yes. Thank you very much, Kate. Yeah. We also have Rachel Engelkey in Ooh. Connecticut. Right, Rachel. And she's in Connecticut, but her mum lives in England, uh, in Devon, in fact. And uh, Rachel came to Wimbledon. 2015 via the queue and says it's one of her greatest tennis memories Aww. which is very nice Aww. I think I think Rachel's on Twitter you know yes I think, I think she I think sometimes right. says lovely things in our direction Aww. thank and you I, Rachel uh, on lots of fronts much appreciated and finally we have Dante Taylor in right, San Dante. Francisco we, we don't have nearly enough Dantes on our wow books. what a name that is Dante have we got any tennis like Dante's Dante? Inferno that's mm. just the coolest the Italian name. Italian poet. Mm. In mm. San Francisco, I've been to San Francisco, loved it. Not for a long time. I was I was 11. Ted Robinson, the uh, US broadcaster, lives in San Francisco. Um, and he's promised he, that I can go around his house and have a beer from his Guinness tap. Oh, a Guinness oh. tap. So I'm coming to San Francisco, things, Ted. See you soon. things are happening in San Francisco. <laughs> Dante, thank you ever so much. Thanks to all of our friends of the Tennis Podcast. If you'd like to become a friend, the link, as always, is in our show notes. We'll be back with more quarterfinal action from Wimbledon tomorrow. We'll speak to you then. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.